Keep Your Heart Above Your Head. Conga founded in 2006, found itself with a brand new CEO in the form of Matt coming in about two and a half years ago. The company passed $50 million in revenue in 2017. That's a run rate. That was up over 100% year over year from 2016. They are on track now to break $100 million here in 2018 with the announcement of a new funding round, bringing total capital raised to $130 million. They've scaled their customer base from 8,000 paying customers to over 11,000. Net dollar retention annually, really impressive number here, 130%. Underlying that, less than 10% gross revenue churn annually. 500 of their team, uh, again, headquarters in Denver, but spread around amongst remote locations all around. Happy to get a little bit more aggressive on payback period with 24 months, simply because he understands that the cohort is sticky. They stay, they land with one product and then expand to the suite that Conga offers as they modernize their business. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matt Schultz. He's an experienced senior executive with a proven track record in building successful high-growth technology in cloud companies, ranging from private startups to public companies. Today, he's the CEO at Conga, directing the company's growth strategy, which includes financing, driving global sales, and expanding product offerings. His extensive executive management and leadership experience is driving strong company growth, which has resulted in several Inc. 500, Fast 50, and Top 100 Places to Work awards. Past CEO successes include Insightful Corporation, Courtlink, DocuSign, Tier 3, and Blue Box Group. He's received several industry accolades in recognition of his past successes and is considered as an expert in software, technology, and cloud business practices. Matt, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely, Nathan. All right. So last time you came on, uh, you shared a little bit about kind of where Conga was. I know you have some updates. So why don't we start off first for people that missed that first interview. Uh, tell us what your core product does. Yeah. Thanks, by the way, that intro. I, uh, Am I hired? I, uh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of pressure after hearing all that, right? <laughs> I better say something smart. Huh? Yeah, you better. Yeah. My audience will kill you on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you mentioned I was uh, CEO of DocuSign, the electronic signature company. They've been in the news quite a bit lately, having just completed their IPO and reached a $9 billion market cap. And By the way, you think that's fair? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you look at the comparables in the marketplace, um, uh, you know, I think you could make a, and, and people are making a pretty good uh, argument that they're actually undervalued at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so leveraging, you know, uh, my experience around electronic documents, electronic signatures, uh, and put together a lot of the original senior management team from DocuSign, uh, we're now here at Conga and Conga is a digital transformation company and they're focused on digital document transformation. So all the way from creating documents, negotiating documents, managing them, redlining them, signing them and managing them through the entire life cycle. So a superset of what we did with electronic signing 
at DocuSign. Mm-hmm. And last time you came on, you'd kind of shared that you'd scaled well past 8,000 customers. What are you guys at today? Close to 11,000 now. So, 11,000. Uh, def- yeah, definitely strong growth. Uh, close to 800,000 users now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we really don't see it slowing down. Yep. You articulated that in 2017, you finished out, uh, but well, sorry, growth, you had hundred percent year over year growth from 2016 to 2017, finishing 2017. I believe you said in with $50 million in annual revenue, that was a run rate. Uh, what do you expect you to do this year? You, do you think you double, you get past a hundred? Uh, yeah, we're going to cross a hundred this year. What month do you think, rate. do you know? Uh, in fourth quarter, fourth quarter. So, very good. And where are you today? Can you share? Uh, close to that. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we are. We're, we're right on track um, to cross 100 this year. So that's, a, that's quite a benchmark for SaaS companies. Um, you know, less than, you know, if you look at the numbers and the numbers vary, but there's some reports out there that, you know, less than 0.04% of startups actually make it uh, to uh, $100 million in recurring revenue. So we're, yeah. we're, we're on an exciting track. It is a good story. And my goal with this interview is to get through these numbers quickly so people understand what you've achieved from a quantitative perspective. But then I want to dig deep into more of the qualitative things you're doing, the levers you're pulling to drive this kind of growth. So again, right now, 11,000 customers call it, you know, 80 million-ish in ARR, but you had about between six and 7 million a month today. And you think over the next six months, by the end of the year, you'll definitely pass that 100 million mark. Uh, funding, uh, you have a big, I think, funding announcement. Last time you came on, you were at, I think, 77 million raised. What are you at today? Uh, so we announced a um, uh, a funding round in conjunction with uh, our latest acquisition, and um, so you know total to date um, a little north of 130 million. Mm-hmm. And and once you're kind of obviously once you're kind of on that track in terms of raising capital and you find a growth channel, you obviously want to keep pouring kind of uh, gas on the fire. Can you help us understand the economics around each kind of customer? So if again, if you're doing kind of 80 right now, run right with 11,000 customers, is it fair to say kind of average customer paying 500, 600 bucks a month, something like that? Yeah, there's there's quite a range because um, our business is definitely a land and expand business. So you can start for example, just creating the documents and then buy from us the ability to negotiate them or manage them or sign them. So um, we have quite a range. We have um, about 60% of our business are small and medium-sized companies and about 40% are the global 2000. Okay. And how do you define an SMB? Uh, 5,000 employees or less. Okay. So there's some pretty big companies in the M part of SMB. <laughs> that, that is certainly true. You obviously also know with your best experience in SaaS, churn is critical. Tell me about your current churn today and how you're managing it. Last time you were on the show, I think you shared you were less than 2% uh, and it was gross logo churn per month. Yeah, our, our gross logo churn is really low, far below industry standards. But what we're really proud of is the, the more important metric in SaaS is net dollar retention. Mm-hmm. You're, I think uh, your uh, listeners are, are familiar with that term if they're familiar with the SaaS industry. So when, you're, when you look at your customer base and let's say somebody churns out or they reduce their usage, they're counted as, a, as, as negative retention, right? And then if somebody buys more from you, it's positive retention. 
And so if you, if you net those out, a really, really good SaaS company is at 100% dollar retention. That, that's, a, that's an outstanding performance. We're at 130% net dollar retention. So, and what pricing uh, lever are you using most aggressively to drive the expansion revenue in the same customer? Um, it's not so much pricing leverage as it is um, customers are really more and more looking to buy a suite of products and not a point solution. So buying point solutions in SaaS and, and great, well, we've got you know some sort of connector to that product or whatever else. It, it gets to be burdensome for companies. Companies, if, if, if the supplier is really good, if Conga is really good, if they're on top of their game, they like buying more than one product for us that fits into our suite. So our digital document transformation suite Again, multiple products, and they go all the way from managing the data, creating the documents, negotiating, signing, and managing through the entire life cycle. So um, that's really what's leading our growth is people try us, they buy a product or two, and then they wind up developing the whole suite with us. If we just look at the initial touch point, the land, uh, and ignore expand for a second, but the land, what generally speaking are you comfortable spending on the initial land that getting the, the first customer from that team in the door? Yeah. So our, our sort of starter pack to get going and creating documents and then doing, you know, doing productive things with, with those documents with live data is around $200 a month. Okay. And I guess my question is, what are you willing to spend to acquire that customer? In other words, are you healthy with a oh, six-month payback? I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cost of acquisition. You know, we don't release those numbers, but our customer acquisition cost is really, really attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, our board is, and our investors and our shareholders are really trying to get us to go even faster. Mm-hmm. And in, in SaaS, you know what's an interesting relationship, Nathan. I think you've talked about this on 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 a, on, a, on your podcast. Is there's there's CAC customer acquisition cost. There's also LTV lifetime value. So that's a measure of once you've acquired a customer, what is their lifetime value? And what's super interesting in SaaS is not only CAC, but what's the ratio of CAC to LTV? What's the ratio of what does it cost you to acquire a customer? versus the lifetime value of that customer. And if you look at our metric there, you know, we're, we're, we're off the charts in terms of comparables in the SaaS industry. So mm-hmm. we're, we're really going to continue to invest in the business and drive, drive it even further. See, my, I'm curious if you agree with this. See, you have a large enough sample size now where you can pretty predict, I mean, you have, a, you have high confidence in, in these metrics. But a lot of companies, sub 10 yep. million that I interview with ARR, they'll come on and say, hey, our LTV to CAC is really healthy. It's like five to one. But it, yep. it actually, it takes them like three years to actually get the money back. But because they say they spend so little on CAC, the ratios get all funked up and they end up lying to themselves right. about what LTV right. to CAC is, right? right. So, so right. at what point, like, at what point did you shift from focusing on payback period, how quickly you get your money back, to overall LTV to CAC ratio, which maybe is bolstered by the fact you have a larger cohort, larger sample size? Yeah, it's a really good point. And the other part of that, and I think you're implying it, um, the other part of that is, you know, smaller companies, let's say under a, your example, under a $10 million run rate, they've never really tried to scale to reach a bigger percentage of the market. And when they do that, their CAC costs can skyrocket and their LTV ratio can plummet. So 
a lot of them feel good about their, you know, the, the ratio between the cost to acquire a customer and the value of that customer when they're really sort of cherry picking just a few customers here and there and they're small. But if you're trying to get to world-class scale, which in the SaaS business is a hundred million or, or north of that, um, and you see, like you say, we've got enough cohort data to see our ratios and our costs really holding. Uh, that's when you want to, you know, they, uh, that's when you want to put down the the pedal and and go, and go faster. And the, the return on that investment is is really good. We don't have to worry about how long it takes to get return on investment because we're actually uh, have the working capital to to invest. So it's a key not, reason why you raise, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you've got good economics, which is what you're getting to, you should fund the business to go that fast. You shouldn't have operating capital, working capital be your limitation. Yep, which is a reflection, again, of that payback period metric. So let me ask you a question. If I'm hearing you correctly, what I hear you saying is, Nathan, we're really confident in the economics. We're happy to get a little bit more aggressive in terms of waiting to get our money back because we know once they're in, they're sticky and they stay for a long time. How aggressive are you willing to be there? Have you gone up to like a 24-month payback that you're comfortable with? Oh, yeah, we can certainly make those numbers work, especially, Nathan, when you think about 130% dollar retention. Yep. So, Annually, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Compound that, you know, in a cohort, compound that for two years and <laughs> you, you, it changes the ball game, right? So yep. when you look at the quality of a SaaS company, it's not just purely uh, logo retention. Really, net dollar retention is, is a much more indicative measure of how sticky is this product and how much do customers love it and grow their usage over time? To get that net number of 130, that obviously means your expansion revenue is more than covering any lost revenue by the tune of about 30%. I'm curious what the underlying gross churn is. What is that? Oh, yeah, the gross churn's under 10, under 10%. So okay. we, don't, we don't release that exact number, but it's, it's under, you know, 10% sort of an eyeball SAS number, we're well under that number. So that's great. Um, and then g give me an update, Matt, on team. So where's the team size today? Where's everybody based? Um, yeah, so Global Headquarters is just outside of Denver, uh, near Boulder in Broomfield, Colorado. Be um, beautiful. I should say beautiful Broomfield, Colorado. Yeah, uh, my, mom, my mom lives in Loveland. I love it out there. Oh, it's spectacular. Our employees love it. We're recruiting successfully to our corporate headquarters for those jobs that are located there. And people are moving from the Bay Area and all over the country and loving it. So that's our operating headquarters. And then, of course, like most SaaS companies, you know, we have multiple offices. So, for example, in London, we have our EMEA headquarters. Um, in Sydney, we have our APAC headquarters. Um, and we're about 500 employees now. When I took over the company two and a half years ago, about 60 employees. Mm -hmm. So some, some really strong growth mm -hmm. in uh, employees, in customers, in recurring revenue. Um, so it's, it's been a very positive set of growth for the last two and a half years. And remind people too, and guys, you should go back and listen to the last interview to get more context on this question I'm about to ask. Just look up Conga in the iTunes feed. But Matt, you, you came, the company was founded in 2006. You came in later. Under what conditions were you coming in? Was it kind of a hostile investors weren't going to put in more money unless you came with the deal? I mean, what was that like? No, it was really positive. So in 2015, Insight Venture Partners, 
which by the way is the largest pure play software investor in the US. Um, they have about $80 billion under management, super smart guys. Um, they talked to the original founders of Conga, to the two entrepreneurs uh, that built the business since, as you mentioned, over the years. This is 2015. And the founders were like, you know, we've been at this a long time. We'd like to, you know, sell a majority share of the company and bring in an investment partner to see if they can grow it to the next level. We've sort of run our playbook and done a good job, but we think the business has lots of upside. So it was a very friendly thing. Mm -hmm. It was the founders getting some liquidity at the same time, uh, the investors bringing in a new management team and working capital to see if we could accelerate the growth rate. And that was the investment thesis and it's paid off. Last question before we wrap up here, assuming you're able to effectively reinvest the 47 you just brought in and you do aggressively, you know, you know, plow past that 100 million AR mark in Q4 this year, do you file to go public in Q1 2019? Um, you know, we haven't made any public announcements on that, but, um, you know, we're, we're certainly a coveted IPO candidate for 2019. Um, you know, I think, uh, you and I talked about it a bit in the past, you know, my experience with DocuSign, et cetera. You know, I'm, I'm one of these CEOs that says you just, you don't go public just to go public. You, you do it for a darn good reason. So our temptation and our, our motivation around the public offering would be we're in a trusted transaction business. If you trust your data and your documents and your contracts to Conga, that's a, that's a very mission critical trust. And so we would like eventually a public brand behind that. And so um, nothing, nothing to announce. Uh, I don't have a scoop for you, but uh, you know, it wouldn't be a shock if, if you see the company taking steps toward that in 2019. And give me the, give me the, I'll argue the opposite side. Give me the one reason it would make zero sense to go public. Well, I think because we're growing so fast that we don't want to take the time to put in all the rigor and infrastructure and reporting and regulation and things that might slow you, potentially slow you down. Uh, you know, going public is a non-zero cost, uh, not only in dollars, but in people's time and effort, uh, that you're not applying to pure activities that, you know, grow the business. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the, there's the argument against it. Guys, there you have a good stuff. Matt, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Well, I'm old school, Nathan. So my, my <laughs> Crossing the chasm story, kind of guy? I'm a, oh, I'm a big Jeffrey Moore guy. He's um, great. That, that's in my top two along with the seven habits, you know, yeah. highly effective. You know, I, it's just, uh, I think it's brilliant. Number two, Matt, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I, you know, I, I follow and study mostly CEOs that are, not household names. They're, they're people we do partnerships or businesses with, you know? Um, yeah, give me a unique one. I don't want someone everyone knows. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I mean, for example, you know, Dan Springer at DocuSign, I think he's done a great job. Um, and, you know, um, you know, recently with the public offering, but more importantly, what, what they're doing with the, you know, the operating uh, cadence of the company. So there's one, there's one for you. Number three, besides John, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now there's a difference between what I use religiously and what the company uses. So the company <laughs> uses Slack and a bunch of stuff all the time, right? You can imagine. Yep. We also use um, Chatter from Salesforce. Um, and you know, I participate in all of that as much as as much as is appropriate at my level. But I, I would say those are probably the two biggest uh, things we use uh, online uh, among teams. Number four, Matt. How many hours of sleep are you getting these days? Um, it it depends how late my flights are. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm I'm a health nut. So I, you know, I, I work out a lot and I believe in, in taking care of yourself and sleeping. So I really try to get six to seven hours a night. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Married 28 years. Wow. Uh, still crazy, crazy in love. Um, and, uh, our two kids exciting. Thanks for asking. Uh, our oldest daughter just turned 25, uh-huh. uh, and just graduated from graduate school and our son, is 22 and just graduated from undergraduate school. So we're proud of, we're proud of them. And now they're joining Congo, right? That's, that's how that works. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and Matt, Matt, how, how old are you? Uh, me? Yeah, you. I'm 50. I'm a young 58. 58. All right. Take us home here. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oh, wow. You, you, you don't have you don't have that long left in this recording, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think probably um, you know the, the 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 saying you know coaching I got from a mentor early on. You know, just keep your heart above your head, and that's what's really paid off. So for me, I I, I passionately care about our people, and uh, uh, you know, I, I care. And I keep my heart above my head and just try to keep uh, everybody's best interest in mind when we're building this company. And, that, and that's paid off. You know, I've had people fortunately work for me, with me for going on three or four companies now. Um, and uh, I think it's a, good, it's a good rule in life. Guys, there you have it. Keep your heart above your head. Conga founded in 2006, found itself with a brand new CEO in the form of Matt coming in about two and a half years ago. The company passed $50 million in revenue in 2017. That's a run rate. That was up over 100% year over year from 2016. They are on track now to break $100 million here in 2018 with the announcement of a new funding round, bringing total capital raised to $130 million. They've scaled their customer base from 8,000 paying customers to over 11,000 net dollar retention annually really impressive number here, 130%. Underlying that, less than 10% gross revenue churn annually. 500 of their team, uh, again, headquarters in Denver, but spread around amongst remote locations all around. Happy to get a little bit more aggressive on payback period with 24 months, simply because he understands that the cohort is sticky. They stay, they land with one product and then expand to the suite that Conga offers as they modernize their business. Matt, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Good to spend time with you.